0: this episode is sponsored by anchor.fm if you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast so let me explain basically it's free secondly there's creation tools that allow you to record and also edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer And after which, Anchor will automatically distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You can also make money from your podcast with literally no minimum listenership. So it's everything you basically need in a podcast in one place. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started today. So, hi, Kim. Welcome to the Naked Dialogue Podcast. Um, Today, we will be discussing Lacanian psychoanalysis very broadly. So, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. We also have Abraham here. How are you doing?
1: Hello. How's it going?
2: I'm fine.
1: Good. Good. We're all fine, then. This is Mark. Yes. Yes.
0: So, how did we begin with this thing?
2: We can uh, start uh, uh, first. First of of all, uh, you can tell me uh, what uh, if you saw a a a phrase or a word uh, which uh, is interesting in the interview, uh, and we can talk about it.
0: Yes, I found very interesting was repression over suppression that segment, (laughs) and that you know, Freud necessarily did not say that repression comes from suppression itself, Mm -hmm. which was very interesting to me because at first anyone would think, you know, that repression is very much suppression itself, but he distinguishes both of them and he said it's repression more than it is suppression. So that's something, yeah, that's something that I found particularly interesting in that
2: Yes, uh, Lacan is, uh, he is uh, a structuralist, and uh, I will see, I think, in this uh, quote that you are speaking about, uh, it's simply um, a proof of his structuralism, in the sense that, uh, uh, for example, you have the case of transference in a psychoanalysis, and for a Freudian viewpoint, uh, transference only happen uh, in a certain context example, uh, between two people. And uh, for example, you have uh, also the patient and the psychoanalyst. So the transference, and maybe counter transference, and that's it. For Lacan, uh, the transference uh, from a structural viewpoint happened happens every time. Uh, There there is no time for transference. So uh, when he speaks about uh, suppression, uh, I think he so we need to know the context uh, the interview was made, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was made in uh, 1972. So it was uh, not long ago. Uh, it was just uh, after um, uh, May '68, and uh, Jacques-Alain Miller was um, uh, a Maoist. He was a Maoist. He was still Maoist even after uh, uh, 1968. So uh, in this context, uh, Lacan is precisely uh, referring if you know a little bit about uh, May 68, you know the slogan the, the, the famous yes. phrases of May 68 for example it was uh, uh, we, uh, we say it in French and uh, we uh, translate it uh, il est interdit d'interdire so, uh, or, or uh, uh, yes, so it's the most famous one and uh, it means it is forbidden to forbid and uh, Lacan if you want he, he translated it he, he rephrased it he, he, he formulate it in another fashion. He said, "Il est interdit d'interdire" means "jouir," uh, but "jouir" in the sense it's an order. You must enjoy, and uh, in that sense, he's is trying to prove how uh, the concept of jouissance is not something like, "Oh, we need to uh, fight against a certain type of society, and then it will be." perfect, it will be uh, better. And, uh, and uh, for, for example, it's, it's the goal of communism. And so in the in Lacanianism, Lakan, precisely because it's a structural doctrine, and, and, and it's also related precisely to transference, uh, there is no such a thing like a perfect society, when you can really enjoy. And uh, even when you say, because precisely, even when you say enjoy, you need to enjoy, it's an order. And so uh, the the surmoi, uh, moi in English, I I, forgot, uh, I forget surmoi, moi. It's uh, in English uh, the you know the the moral in the you have the, the self and then uh, the, the sur moi the,
1: the, the above uh, me. Sorry. The above me would be a good enough translation.
2: Yes, yes, precisely the, the above me. But I, I believe there is another another translation in uh, in English
1: like uh, from George Orwell.
2: Yes. Uh, uh, so, I believe that the surmoi is maybe the uh, super-ego, a super-ego voilà, super uh, in mm-hmm. English. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So, uh, uh, the, the super-ego can be, uh, in, that, in that session, it can be enjoyed. So, what Lacan is doing, I believe, and it's very, uh, of, let's say, it's a basis of his doctrine, is to try to uh, make an explanation of what uh, resistance is. And precisely because jouissance is not simply—it's it's very um, close to this kind of. Uh, precisely, we cannot really make the difference between uh, enjoy as an order and enjoy as uh, as, wish, as, as jouissance, as Lacan uh, understood it.
1: Yeah, we uh, are to enjoy, like, and, and we can take the Sartrean maxim of, we are burdened to have freedom, and put it in the context of freedom as this absolute goal or condition for the human. Being an actuality, jouissance.
2: Mm. Mm. Yes.
1: It is the, condition have... of the human for for the subject to enjoy.
2: Yes, but here precisely, because uh, when you when you hear, you know, enjoy, you say, ah, Lacan must be uh, hedonist, hedonistic, he must be uh, uh, Epicurean, and so on. And oh, in right. fact, uh, in fact, no, is absolutely not. Uh, in that sense, he is more like uh, like Spinoza, because today, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Spinoza is very uh, fashionable. Uh, there is a lot, especially in France, there is a lot of uh, Spinozians, uh, and, uh, and they are always uh, a little bit uh, hedonistic. Uh, the most famous one is probably, uh, maybe you, if you know the Panctique, you probably heard about him. It's uh, Clement Rosset. He's not really famous in, uh, outside of France, but uh, he's still a, a great philosopher. But he's very Spinozian and he, he has some kind of uh, uh, hedonistic aspect. Uh, but if you for example, if you look at the life of Spinoza, uh, Spinoza was complete, completely the contrary. And his philosophy is, in fact, quite, uh, even it's, its philosophy, because we can always say, well, yes, he was a, a kind of, he uh, was, was a little bit like an aesthetic, a little bit like a priest, but his uh, philosophy might be uh, hedonistic. But no, 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 even his philosophy is, in fact, it's very, really, uh, what should I say, it's very. Uh, abstract and very also ascetic uh, and today it's, it's something that you do not see among uh, Spinozians.
1: Yeah, the, but the contrast between being a monk or an ascetic uh, in, in your day-to-day life versus enjoying it and, and being more Dionysian in some way, how do you think that a contrast this or, or that line is traced in psychoanalysis?
2: uh can you repeat please
1: the same way that there is this asceticism or this uh, Mm. that one can achieve in order to Mm. control all the instincts how or where is the hope for controlling the instincts in psychoanalysis
2: but in in, in psychoanalysis there is no such a thing as a control of instinct right Uh, it's not uh uh uh, i don't know about uh if uh, Freud spoke about it but Lacan is not uh, Marcus Aurelius or, uh, or uh, he, he hasn't any uh, kind of will to. And in fact, if you know a little bit of the biography of Lacan, he was, uh, He said himself, he said during a, a meeting, a, a diner, I believe, he said, I, I am uh, six years old in my head, six years old in my head. <laughs> uh, he, he, you know, there's a lot of anecdotes very, very funny. For example, Lacan was in a, a restaurant, he wanted something, and he, he so the the, the boy, the, the, the people who work in the restaurant...
3: The
2: waiter. Uh, yes, the waiter, ignoring him, him, and so he was so angry, he, he, he started to shoot, to shoot. Ah! Was very,
1: like, uh, a like a tantrum, like a toddler.
2: Yes, exactly, like a toddler. He, he, he was screaming, uh, and there is also, also he hated uh, the red light you know in a, when you drive your car the, re- the red light and so for example so at this time it was the 70s 60s 70s so it, there wasn't a lot of red light in, uh, in France and in Europe uh, and, uh, and so he, he always tried to avoid red light but sometimes for example when there was a red light so either he ignored the red light or if someone was con- uh, driving instead of him what he did was simply to quit the car when <laughs> there was a red light
1: Seems Unbelievable. Yes. I can relate to some degree. I, I have the compulsion to cross the to always jaywalk. I, I compulsively jaywalk. Anytime that the little man is red, I, I cross the road. Mm-hmm. At least I try to.
2: Walking. Yes. And so so as you can see. Lacan himself was quite—he um, has absolutely no um, will, uh, and in fact, he, he was criticized for this because he today, uh, to date all the criticizers of Lacan. The, one who, who, the ones who hate him said he was uh, dangerous because he was a little bit like a sect, like a like a guru. He, mm. he, he was manipulating. He was, uh, and in fact, it, it's true. He, he was very manipulating. For example, there is another anecdote with Deleuze. He invited Deleuze to see him. Uh, rendezvous. So Deleuze went to see him and he said, uh, Lacan started to enumerate, to, to quote all of his disciples. And he said they were, they, they were bad and useless. And uh, at the end, he said, uh, I want some, someone like you. <laughs> of course, it was, he uh, was manipulating because, uh, of course, he liked his disciples, in fact, uh, at least uh, Elisabeth Rodinesco said that he liked some of his disciples, so especially Jacques Miller, but even other Jacobert and so on. And so he was simply trying to uh, capture, uh, to, uh, to catch uh, the loser. So, right, uh, and, and in fact, uh, in uh, when he was excluded from uh, his psychonetic school, it was for. Partially, it was because uh, he was seen as someone too dangerous to to do psychoanalysis, he was seen as uh, uh, too manipulative, and especially uh, in regard to transference. He was seen as someone uh, who was using transference uh, for his own purposes.
1: Would you speculate that he depended on the analyst's love to some extent?
2: Do you mean it in that regard? Uh, Yes, yes, yes. Uh, But here, uh, the problem is that um, there is uh, some kind of uh, dramatization. uh, And here, I must say that uh, Foucault was right. Foucault talked about uh, Lacan, he said. uh, In fact, uh, Lacan, the the ones who were terrified by Lacan were the ones who were willing to be terrified by Lacan. Lacan was not by himself a, a terrifying figure. And I believe that Foucault is very right. Uh, uh, nothing to add to this quote.
1: Hmm. Yes, I mean he has dangerous ideas, but because they are in, they are strangely revolutionary because they are the most orthodox you can get to Freud. Maybe, yes. maybe Freud is the real radical thinker.
2: Uh, for, for his time, for sure, but. Uh, as you, as, as, as everyone, as Marx, as, uh, as Auguste Comte, as, uh, as Voltaire, as uh, uh, yeah, with the time, uh, there is some kind of uh, uh, people, are, they, it became a school. So, and in effect for Freud too. And, uh, but here, I must say, like, why I believe Lacan is maybe better, if you want to say this word better, maybe it's not the right word, but in a sense, it's maybe better that uh, Freud, Freud, it's because... Um, uh, even so, Fred has some kind of uh, he was positivist and so on, and he has some kind of uh, methodology and criticism against his his, his own uh, doctrine. So, he was he, he could criticize his work, but always on some uh, basis. So, when you, when he made a criticism, criti- when he criticized himself, it was always to, uh, to make his uh, doctrine better, and it was not the, the doctrine in, in itself, it was not. It was only some part of his work. Right. While with Lacan, Lacan, for example, so it was probably the the late Lacan. That's why he's maybe better than, than the young Lacan. Uh, uh, it's because, uh, for example, it, it was, I believe, in Louvain. So not, not not the famous um, uh, uh, lecture he, he did in Louvain, uh, another one, or maybe it was in Belgium or in Bruxelles, I don't remember exactly. But, um, he said uh, something. It is very famous, famous today because uh, all all the people who criticize psychoanalysis, psychoanalysis, they always, uh, you know, they take it, they take the phrase and say, "Look, uh, Lacan was a, char- a charlatan. He was uh, not a real." Uh, because he said, uh, 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 so he, always his phrases are quite complicated to translate. But he said he said something like, uh, "In um, psychoanalysis, we are using words." Uh, who are, who, Bright words, but which mean nothing, and so people were shocked. And even uh, people, for example, you know, because there was a print of the of the quote, and people said we must delete absolutely this quote because it's so it's too dangerous and they, it will destroy a uh, psycholysis. And so uh, I don't I don't know if it was maintained, but we know that he said something like, and it's, it's not the only one. There are a lot of other um, interviews where he or uh, conference. Lectures when he said uh, we must be careful, uh, 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 Freud uh, was uh, maybe wrong, and sometimes he was even mean with Freud. He said, uh, "Remember," I, he said. Uh, apropos Freud, he said, uh, "Freud was a little doctor, uh, he was just a little doctor, and and we must uh, make we must be cautious with uh, Freud and so on." So the
1: the first quote that he just mentioned is it related at all to? his principle of speaking properly, the the well-spoken, as yes. you would call it.
2: Yes, but here, I must say, uh, I don't know if, uh, if uh, it works and if other people can understand it uh, in the sense that it's very, uh, here you have something which is pro- probably quite French. So I'm not saying it's, uh, uh, I'm not Heidegger, uh, because Heidegger thought that uh, if you, you, you see Heidegger, Heidegger said, for example, that uh, when French thinker think, they think in German. So you can see for him it was a German, 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 and untranslatable, and each, each time he, he was uh, mocking his translators. For example, there is this famous uh, uh, answer to uh, Sartre, uh, you know, because Sartre published uh, uh, Lettres sur l'humanisme, and uh, Heidegger answered uh, true through, through Beaufret, Beaufret was his disciple in France, and in in, in the letter, he was very uh, ironic, I believe at least, uh, it's what I believe, he was very ironic about uh, his translations. And in fact, it's very strange because he says that um, uh, only German could be uh, close to ancient old Greek, but he said also, and I don't know why, maybe he has a reason to say this, but he said that Japanese is also uh, close to German, so <laughs> it's a little bit strange because uh, well, because there was a kind of alliance between uh, Nazi Germany and, uh, and Japan. Right. <laughs> yes. so uh, so here I'm absolutely not like Heidegger by saying you must uh, speak French because if you don't speak French, it's not understandable, you will not understand. It. No, no. But nevertheless, I believe that in uh, in the difference between uh, French and English languages is That in French you have um, it's more strict uh, in the sense that um, first we have a lot of rules you know Académie française and so on but also we are maybe more um, mean when it comes to language and if you read for example on the internet people. Who speak French in France? Who are I mean not native French speakers who come to France? They always say, "Oh, the French people are a little bit mean uh, with me because I am speaking French, but my French is not good enough, and so they are criticizing it. I don't know if it's true. Maybe it's a uh, cliché. But what is true is that um, in, in France, we, in French, in France, we tend to be maybe a little bit more. Uh, for example uh, and and it's not uh, you can see it for example in George Steiner so if you don't know who is George Steiner it's very it's very uh, great uh, uh, he was American and French he spoke a lot of languages so he know what he's talking about and he said that uh, precisely uh, in English precisely because it's a kind of uh, you know business language you can uh, it means that you can uh, speak with only a few words and you can uh, yes you can speak while uh, in, in France you have a kind of a, a, a literary tradition, and what is valued in, in uh, French is the vocabulary. So the more vo- vocabulary you have, the more you, are, you seem intellectual, and, uh, and you are appreciated. And, so on. and for example, I can give you um, <coughs> an example. It's in Quebec, uh, in Quebec, they are uh, they speak, so Of course, they speak French, but they have uh, uh, English-speaking mentality in the sense that they don't value the number of words and the vocabulary. And so you have this kind of um, difference between Quebec and France. In Quebec, they don't care about vocabulary, but in in, in France, uh, they care. So it means that, generally, when French people hear Quebec people, they sound, they sound like, uh, I mean, Quebec sounds like a little bit uh, dumb for French people, because, uh, of course, it's, it's mean. It's not, uh, don't, I think it's, it's unfair. And, uh, and so on. And there are also the, also the accent. And you know that uh, in accent, it's even worse because uh, French language don't, do not, do not, does not like accent. So here, uh, Lacan is in, the, in a little bit like this, in this idea. And that's why I said that maybe for uh, an English speaker, it doesn't work uh, in the same way as a French when you say well spoken. Because, for example, when I hear Myself when I listen to Jordan Peterson, when I listen to I don't know uh, any American, when I listen to I, I can I cannot see a difference of vocabulary I can and not not even in the style I can I do not see a difference I see a difference in the charisma uh, Jordan Peterson is very charismatic but his vocabulary is not better than a regular American or maybe uh, uh, yes regular American uh, we say uh, we stick to this. Uh, I, I do not see a difference
1: Yeah, well I think, if anything, Canadians may have, on average, a better vocabulary vocabulary than
2: Americans mm. um, Yes but, but I, uh, uh, Precisely, uh, an American friend of mine said to me that uh, British people tend to be admired by Americans because uh, apparently British people tend to be more literary and so on. Uh, frankly, I've listened let's, to uh, Let's
1: universalize the concept of the well-spoken and say that if anyone that holds as one of their primary values to speak precisely, then they, they can have this French-speaking mentality. Yes, which, exactly. The, the in case of Peterson, uh, I, I haven't read his book, but I've seen many of his lectures and, and many of his recent interviews. And in relation to the last book that, he's, that he published, I think one of his first commandments, because really what it is is uh, an ethical table of what to do in the, the 12 uh-huh. life, one of the rules is be precise in your speech and say always the truth. So um, yes. at, at least uh, try to say always the truth in, in the most enclosed um, way possible so that the meaning is extracted the best in, in, in some way. Because yes. as, as Lacan says, he always speaks the truth.
2: Um Yes, but here, here um, says it's quite dangerous, the the, the analogy, this, this analogy, because when Jonathan says be precise, I believe it's the opposite, the absolute opposite of Lacan, because he, he, it's the difference between, I believe, the French language and uh, English. I'm not saying, again, that it's uh, something which is, I believe it's, it's more like um, uh, Latin uh, mentality, Latin, Latin people, and again we must not exaggerate because uh, French, we say French are uh, Latin people, but uh, in fact uh, it's not really true. Uh, 90, 80% of French people are uh, Celtic and uh, mean of origin, uh, and it's, uh, in theory, of course, because there are a lot of immigrants and so on, but they are uh, Celtic and uh, Frank. Uh, Frankish people. So it's not, uh, we say Latin, of course, but uh, it's true that there is a lot of uh, Greco-Roman uh, culture, but we must not uh, exaggerate uh, this point. Uh, so here, when uh, John Peterson says that, um, to be precise, I believe it's, it's the exact opposite, because Lacan is very precise, but in its style, not in the, here we can maybe make a, a, a difference between Derrida, Derrida made, made this difference, what he called parergon. Um, uh, maybe you know what it means, maybe you read Schopenhauer, Schopenhauer wrote a book which is called um, Parerga and, and Paralipomena, which means, uh, so Parerga, uh, it's, a, it's a Greek word, and I believe that Parergon is a, uh, the singular of it. And okay. in, 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 uh, uh, of course, Decada was interested by the so difference with, a, with an A, but also it's related to difference, the, the limits, the borders and so on, uh, Yes. Uh, so we cannot make uh, here. Here I will simply make a difference between uh, the, the content and the form. Uh, maybe Lacan here, when when Lacan say be well spoken, it might be more related to the form rather than the content. One while when John, John Pearson says be precise, he speaking about the the content, and precisely it's very clear. It's, a, it's I would say a scientist is is a, a scientist. So yeah. he said. He said you must verify and prove what you say and so on well, of course Lacan so of course, Lacan...
1: But, but still in both cases of Peterson and Lacan, they're indistinguishable from each other and being an ethical maxim because it's the you know the idea of let's speak properly I, I don't think it it changes it, it's it's the reason why it may be equivalent in form is because you can't. You can't. You don't have the mental wherewithal or capacity to determine each thing that you're saying precisely. It's more the intent and the general intention to speak properly, which which pulls uh, the the content into the form, which which you're deciding in in some way or another. Um, so I mean, I feel like we're we're demonizing Jordan Peterson a little bit just because he's a positivist. Um, but, but and I, don't, I don't see it as as uh, dramatic opposites uh, in any way. The I think that once again, it's it's an it's an ethic, really. It's it's an action. It's it's
3: mm-hmm, while
1: realizing yeah. that that truth cannot be conceptualized, let's try to say it best we can.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not absolutely not at all uh, diabolizing, uh, demonizing uh, I like uh, I, believe, I like the problem. And, and uh, when I say that it is the exact opposite, uh, uh, you must listen to him. It's not me who said that. It's him who said if you make the, the analogy, you, he will explode. he will literally explode if you say that he is like Lacan. And in fact, he said things which are quite interesting. And I have the quote. Uh, I've listened quite closely and I have the quote. He said things like uh, a very dramatic phrase. For example, in one of his uh, lectures, he said the, the French philosophers are the worst he says the worst in the world. Uh, he, he, and I believe he said also that uh, France is the only country uh, which have managed to produce the worst country of philosophers in the history of mankind. So it's not me. It's, it's, I mean, when you say a phrase like this, uh, okay. I got uh, yeah. not, not not the communist, not the Soviet, not the German Nazi. No, no. French, uh, Derrida, Lacan. Oh, OK. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, i in this case, I think it's a pity because I don't think tradition has given French postmodernism in, in general structuralism and poststructuralism probably the attention that that it deserves, and it, it, it's a pity. I, I I do agree that I see in in most uh, American philosophers or North American philosophers a critique of of the way that or the complexity of writing of of French people. Um, okay. Or French philosophers, Um that uh, might be a radical case of these, um, where he's almost incomprehensible even when he's translated. Um, yes. But it, that's the thing that it is comprehensible to some degree. It's it might be overly exact. It might be overly la juste how Flaubert would would refer to it. His uh, in the case of Flaubert, he would strive for a simplicity of language that was also, rich in meaning and and could be highly descriptive of whatever whatever object he was he was trying to transmit. Um, so, I think there can be an excess of of the the juice, which is why it has to be yeah. ideal. Um, uh, and and in the case of of extreme extreme cases of philosophy, it is I think precisely the sin of being of thinking that. You are speaking well enough, or, or excessively, uh, or that you're speaking well when it's not well enough, uh, as well. Um, yes. So I think I think the, the there's a satisfaction in saying let's just let's have it as a goal to find those correct words to name things appropriately. We must have it as an ideal maxim because really what it is it's an ideal because it's alluding to a perfection in speech. Understanding it as imperfect, but it's still striving towards flawless speaking in both cases, um, regardless mm. if that goal isn't attained or not. So I want to reconcile Lacan and Jordan Peterson there, n- knowing that it's already hard enough to do because of their geographic differences.
2: Uh, uh, as for Lacan uh, and Jordan Peterson, I must say that uh, he probably did not read him, uh, or he really did not understand him. Uh, for example, you cannot say uh, Lacan is a postmodernist. Uh, he is, because Lacan, I don't know if you know that, but Lacan was far right. He was far right. He's, mm. he's political. He was a conservative. He was uh, Charles Maurras, if you know who was Charles Maurras. Yeah. Uh, he was Maurrassian, and, and he voted for um, De Gaulle also, and he was opposed to. Uh, he, he, it's ambiguous, he was not totally opposed, but he was some kind of, in some way he was opposed to it to May 68. May uh, and for example, when I see, when I see people uh, like Johnny Peterson who said that uh, who says that uh, John, uh, Jack, 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 Jack Lacan is uh, leftist, no, my god, even he, you can see it even in his philosophy. I mean, uh, Lacan wrote articles in the 30s, for example, where he criticized uh, precisely. Uh, homosexual and and even in his seminary, seminary, he still criticised a lot, for example, maybe not homosexual but uh, transsexual. Not transsexual, but what he called uh, transsexualism. He said, uh, and you can see it in in a lot of his seminary, he uh, criticised transsexualism. And the child of um, Lacan, uh, Judith Miller, said uh, during, so it was in, 2000, 2013, uh, in 2013, it was during the, deb- the debate about uh, gay marriage in France. So she was invited by the government to, to, to give advice. And she said, my father would probably have been opposed to gay marriage. Uh, so, uh, so he's absolutely, even uh, in, 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 in his philosophy, in his doctrine, you can see clearly that he is opposed to what we could precisely postmodernism. Yeah, to say.
1: The postmodern age incorporates structuralism and post structuralism. Yes. We're bring technical. Um, but yes, no I, I see the the conflation that it tends to be made with leftism, specifically Marxism and and postmodern or uh, in general critiques. And it is true that, that Lacan is in in that um, in that boat. Mm.
2: Um, uh, yeah. It's true that they were influenced a lot, Were like, like uh, we all know them, even Judith Butler and so on, they were all influenced by, by Lacan, but I must say, uh, if you want my opinion, uh, I've read a lot of Lacan and I wonder how you can be inspired, uh, of course you can be inspired uh, maybe by, by his gesture and, and the, the way he did his thing, his method and so on, uh, because it was a kind of uh, subversion and so on, but uh, that's it. I, 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 I must say, when you read uh, Lacan, I don't know where you can find something uh, which is close, even close to postmodernism. From, I, you do not see it. Uh, well, absolutely, I, uh, I, Lacan I, was very I, conservative. Mm?
1: Yes, but it, uh, yeah, we don't we don't need to mix postmodernism with uh, with some degree of. Uh, of radical uh, ideas per se to to reach out any conclusion of it. Radical ideas have been existing since always, mm. and mm. I think that in the case of the split subject specifically, I think that there's a lot to say there in relation to postmodernism and and the subjectivity that that Deleuze might teach us, where the subject is spread out in all realms. Um,
2: here uh, between Deleuze and Lacan, it's again it's very complicated because Deleuze was Spinozian and vitalist, yes. while it's Lacan was, a lot
1: of them admired Spinoza in their adolescence.
2: Exactly, exactly, and and Lacan also. But here you can see why it's very complicated because Lacan was uh, Hegelian and mostly what we Kojevian, uh, Alexandre Kojev, and uh, and when he said when he speaks about the split subject, he is speaking from Kojevian viewpoint while uh while the uh, is completely the opposite and, mm-hmm. and uh, then is oppo- the the opposite and even if la uh Deleuze speaks about you know a kind of imaginary in the sense of lacan a kind of uh, imaginary body which is like like the body without mm-hmm. organs and so on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's quite uh I don't believe you can make uh, it it's quite close but it's not totally the same it's simply a kind of uh and here maybe it's it, it takes its origin from um because this is a Lacan lecture of Spinoza. But I must say that, again, in my opinion, when Lacan read Spinoza, it was uh, for a, a conservative uh, viewpoint. It was for because uh, Spinoza, if you know a about Spinoza, he wrote the, his famous text, which is called Ultimi Barbarorum. He wrote it, you know, when the brother, the Witt, were assassinated in the Netherlands during the what we call uh, the ramp in, uh, in the, uh, Holland. Uh, it was it, they were killed during uh, i believe it was, was Rampierre, uh, because france was invading the netherlands and there, there was the orangist were was a party they were a party in the Netherlands, and they were uh, for the stadt and and uh the, the brother wit were uh, simply uh, they were for the civil power uh, i believe it's a pensionary so it was a fight against pensionary they were the, the civil power and the statuder who was the military power, and so there was a fight. And France, France, and most of all, most uh, France went uh, in the Netherlands. So it was chaotic, and, and the brothers of wit were assassinated during this moment by a complot, by a conspiracy of uh, Orangists. And he wrote a text which is called "Ultimi, Ultimi barbarorum," Bar- where he criticized a lot because it was very violent. My God, <laughs> you know that the, the brothers of Wit were literally eaten. By the mob, they were uh, killed and eaten by the mob. Uh, <laughs> if you know, if you I don't know if you went in the Netherlands, uh, you, uh, but if you uh, go there, if you can imagine the, the Dutch people eating uh, their prime minister. So <laughs> 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 well, uh, so he was so, uh, And then Spinoza was very conservative, and in fact, it's, it's something that you do not see among uh, Spinozians today. For example, Deleuze and so on. Deleuze was maybe more moderated than a lot of, uh, like uh, maybe more moderated than Blanchot or or, um, or other uh, the Arthodian and so on. Yeah. But Spinoza was still very conservative. He was misogynist. He was uh, he, he he was known to beat his dog. He, he liked to to torture uh, spiders, and uh, <laughs> he was very uh, a funny guy, <laughs> so he, I don't believe it. And in his philosophy too. Uh, if, if we tend to be a little bit Nietzschean, if, if, uh, if you read Nietzsche and then Spinoza and you apply gene, genealogy to his philosophy, I'm thinking about Spinoza, Spinozian philosophy, uh, you can clearly see a kind of a relation between Spinoza, the man, his body, and his philosophy. I see it and I see it with Lacan too, and when Lacan read Spinoza it's in in this perspective, uh, 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 conservative. Uh, Mm.
1: Right. So uh, Deleuze might be the one that takes a little bit more from Spinoza as a philosopher.
2: Uh, Again, it's quite hard because uh, here, because if you say that, it's a little bit like a Platonician uh, or, but but you can see it with Lacan, uh, too, in the sense that he was also a kind of Platonician. Uh, for example, he was a uh, Plotinus. He was uh, inspired uh, by Plotinus. Yeah. Uh, you know, he said, Lacan said, Yadlin, Yadlin. He said it's not translatable. But of course, uh, I mean, uh, Yadlin, because why? For a simple reason, because, you, you know, I know you, you speak French a little bit. Yadlin, it's not like there is one, because there is one, it's, it, it's, it's like, uh, it's related to the to being, to being why, yeah, it's if it's a uh, to have, hmm. so you can see, in you know, there's this f- famous phrase in uh, Lacan, it's, it's in James Joyce. He said, Uh, here, I, 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 visit, I will I will quote it in French because it's uh, you will hear it's, it's completely uh, hard to translate. He said, He said, uh, I will try to translate it uh, nevertheless. He said, oh. yeah, de dans le yeah, lavoiement, dans le If I translate it uh, in English, it would be uh. There is right wayness in the you have, so uh, and <laughs> in the you have so to have because for him to have is it, more important than to be. And here uh, it's right. um, it's uh, so it's plutin, pl- pl- Plotin, Plotin, yeah. it's, uh, it's also Heideggerian because uh, the difference between uh, the ontic and ontology.
1: Right, How, but what, what is the Neoplatonic connection there?
2: But the, the new, uh, because, you know, in, the, in Protinus, there is the, the one, the one is the, yes. the main, uh, uh, in, in the philosophy of Protinus, it's the one, uh, you know, uh, which is fixed. And at the same time, it's, it's, it's an emanation, Protinus called it a, a, a procession, a procession from the one which irradiates uh, the rest of the world and, and it's, it does not move and so on.
1: Right, uh, similar to Spinoza and nature, right, that, that's okay. monism, yeah.
2: In fact, exactly, because a lot of uh, Spinozian were inspired by Plotinus. Uh, mm-hmm. Berson was inspired by Plotinus. Uh, John Kerevich was inspired by uh, Plotinus. And so were, uh, so yes, you have a lot of Spinozians. There's a link between uh, Spinoza, or at least Spinozian and Plotinus.
1: Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, what about the uh, union, the union? uh the oneians where lacan makes a comparison between being annoyed and and having the one as something that 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 exists or doesn't but that were cut up and cut up in, in to some extent
2: yeah so it's it's in the interview can yeah. you
1: tell me the,
2: the the page
1: um i'm i'm not sure but it uh, let me let's we can we can search it up
2: Okay I'm trying to find it in uh, in French
1: It's a play on words between annoyance uh, l'ennui, and
2: ah yes i think i you
1: know. Alors, uh, uh, uh
2: Ah, oui, yes. I, f- I think I, I found it. I find it. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I, I think I found it. Uh... Yes, it's, it's, you can see it. It's, it's very uh, Platonician and uh, and also. Uh, uh, yes, uh, I believe. Uh, uh, maybe there is also a kind of uh, Pascalian. Uh, viewpoint Uh, along me as a way uh, to to make uh, for for, uh, Pascal, it's uh, it's, uh, I I, I wanted to say philosophy, but uh, I believe that uh, from Pascal perspective and uh, Lacan perspective, (laughs) I don't don't believe it's the right word, but uh, uh, it it might be uh, uh, the right one, Uh, maybe. Mm and and, um, and then then he's speaking about um, the identification uh, between the other and the one mm-hmm. yes, it might be also um, uh, because for Lacan as you so as I said he, he was a structuralist, so you have the superego, and you cannot uh, go beyond the superego so when he said you need to coincide the other and the one, uh, maybe he' using it at, at, it's very hard because. And Even you can see this struggle in Jacques Miller when he said it's, there is a precise notion in Jacques Miller, which is called the the real unconscious, the real unconscious, and the real unconscious, was, mm, the real unconscious, the real in the sense of uh, Lacan, the real as a category, Lacanian category. Right. And, and, he, and, and uh, Jacques said I, I'm struggling, and Lacan was also struggling, struggling with this uh, notion of uh, uh, real unconscious. So maybe when he is speaking about uh, precisely this kind of mystic union between the, the, the one and the other is referring to uh, the real unconscious.
3: Hmm.
2: And precisely, uh, it's very simple because the, the real unconscious, it's the, for example, it's, it's James Joyce, that is to say, a way to, 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 to be pleased, uh, to enjoy uh, as Lacan said, to enjoy uh, t- through your own word, uh, own words. Um, for example, you, 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 James Joyce in *Finnegans Wake*. Uh, you can see it, uh, and, and he said uh, Lacan. Uh, I must say I, I've, I've read James Joyce, but in French, and I must say that I didn't like it precisely because it was a translation, and maybe it would have been better in, uh, in English. But uh, it doesn't
1: get better. It's still equally as incomprehensible, probably.
2: Yes, yes. Maybe not. uh, I'm not speaking about intelligible, but uh, to play on word, uh, when you play on word, for example, there is a a lot of things that I really like in James Joyce. For example, there is uh, a word that uh, he took from medieval English. It's called the agent bite of Inuit. I will write it. uh, I know I cannot write it. Yeah. in the chat. Uh, is in the chat in the chat?
1: Yes, click the chat button.
2: Okay, <laughs> sorry. Uh, 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 yes, I see it. Okay. Okay. And the engine byte of Inuit. So for example, here you have, it's a kind of, uh, I don't know if you know uh, what we it is called English with, a, with an A. You know, yeah. it's, it's a kind of English, but without a French word. Yeah,
3: no. for,
2: for example, engine beat, of, in which it means uh, remorse remorse, uh, I believe uh, of the unconscious unconscious. I believe it's uh, uh, remorse of the unconscious I will write it uh, just in the chat too to, uh, up. So you have en- engine bite which means, literally, again bite. To be back again mm-hmm. and remorse. If you, you know French, so remorse you have heureux, more, more, yeah, mm, right, right. so it means to be back again. Uh, so, here, so of course, here is not, um, I mean, it, it's maybe not the kind of pun uh, I was talking about, but it's still, uh, when uh, for example, because Lacan himself took a lot of his pen from uh, medieval, medieval French, uh, maybe not medieval, but uh, uh, from uh, at least uh, rabelais and uh, Villon and, and so on so sixteenth uh, century and so uh, and here i said that uh, i really enjoy this kind of uh, words. words uh, apparently you can find it in 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 uh, uh, james joyce mm-hmm. uh, of course of course in french you cannot uh, for the bit per- engine bite of in wo- in wheat, uh, it doesn't work if you translate it in you cannot translate the the effect of it mm-hmm. in, in french.
1: Right. So let's connect it back to at which point the unconscious can be tangibilized in in some way or another, which the connections to psychosis like in the case of of James James Joyce is I think quite visible. And, you know, where can we find uh, an unconscious that we can call real outside of the unconscious becoming a visible sky as uh, James Joyce would put it. I mean, as, as Jacques Lacan would put it. Um, but as James Joyce would demonstrate it to be, because it, after all Finnegan's wake and, and Ulysses is the unconscious in movement somehow congealed into text. Um, mm. uh. Of course it, it's the union with the one, but that remains being an affect, the the divine Beatitude or a moment of beatitude rather than a life of beatitude is an affect and it's it, it cannot be put into words the same way that an artistic representation always tries to.
2: Yes, uh, here I believe that you have the, the answer, it's really simple. I think you have, you have the answer in question uh, 17. Uh, and Lacan uh, uh, gave an answer, he said. We must be like a saint, a saint, yeah. uh, like he, he's quoting uh, Balthazar Gracián and, and Amlou de and so on. Uh I believe it's, it's here uh, the solution. So of course then you, you will say to me, oh, "Yes, but how, do you, how do, do you become a saint?" And then Lacan said uh, just after, he said, uh, uh, he said in French, uh, I don't know how it was translated in, uh, in English, but he's, he's making a play of one word between "déchet" and uh, "charité." So so she is uh, rubbish, rubbish, yeah. and, and, and shitey. It's, uh, I don't know if you say it in English, shitey, yes. Uh, shitey and, and to, rubbish.
1: To be punished in some way? Uh,
2: I don't know if it's, it's, it's to be punished. No, 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 I don't think it is to be punished. Uh, uh, in, in, I believe here, it's a little bit uh, besides that here, maybe it's uh, Lacan, it's like Zarathustra, uh, you know, with Nietzsche, uh, it's a bit, it, but it's not to be punished in a, in a you know, it's like uh, in a political way or, uh, or sexual way, <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no, it's not to be pitched, it's simply uh, uh, it's, uh, what, what Lacan called uh, abjection, uh, abjection, I don't know, uh, to live uh, as a saint and uh, to, you know, as uh, Jordan Peterson would say, uh, to to live it with you know, your burden. And you leave it uh, with it but uh, again uh, uh, maybe it's uh, it's a bit too uh, mystical uh lacan even if Lacan here is a little bit ambiguous uh, for for a moment for a moment I thought that Lacan was uh, r- religious, even if he said that he was um, not religious when i read that for the first time i said to i said to myself he's joking He's in fact he's religious in his uh, because uh, you can see for example in uh, some of his letters. That he said that uh, I, I'm, I'm working he said i'm working for the catholic church and so on but um, and for yeah. example you know that lacan has a brother and his brother was a monk his brother was a monk know. And, yes uh, uh, so he, he, in fact he was a, he, he, he was brought up he, 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 he lived in a family a very catholic family from a far-right far Mauritian Catholic. And when I say Catholic, it's not today, Catholicism of today. When I say Catholic, it means that they were going to Mass every Sunday, and it was very, very Catholic. Uh, so for a moment, and you know, he, he, Lacan even, he, he wanted to, to meet the Pope. Uh, of course, the Pope said no, he wanted to meet the Pope. And so he said, here I believe that he, he was manipulative because of um, he did the same with communism. He, 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 he tried to be, you know, to 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 be close to Catholic and, and so on. And, and, and of course, you have also other kind of ambiguity. For example, when Lacan was in Rome, he, there is a famous a famous speech, very famous, when he said there is only one true religion. It's the Catholic one. So no, he, he did not said Catholic. He said the Roman one. So of course he's speaking about Catholicism. He's not speaking about uh, about uh, paganism or so he's speaking about Catholicism. But he said there's like, only one true religion. And of course, when you read that, you said, oh my god, he's, re- he's religious, in fact. And, and I remember I, I had a friend who was Lacanian, he, he read like, the speech and said, I'm no more Lacanian, because it's obvious that Lacan is, is <laughs> doing uh, propaganda, religious <laughs> propaganda. For... And here, maybe we can make a, 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 an, an analogy between um, Jung and Lacan. Because Jung himself, so I don't know if Sanjana knows this, but if you read the letters of Jung, Jung was quite Catholic. In fact, because he said uh, in absolute, Jung criticized a lot Protestantism, because he said the problem with Protestantism is, is that they, they do not have a feminine element. You know what what, what Jung called quaternity. Uh, so uh, uh, he, he said he, he, there's a lack in Protestantism, and uh, at the time of Jung, you know that there was what we called the uh, the, the assumption assumption of Mary. In the sense that there was a the Pope made a, 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 I don't know if it was a bu- bull. You know, a bull is a kind of uh, yeah. Uh, you know what it is. Also. Um, uh, um, okay. So okay, yes, and and so he made a, a paper to say that Mary uh, was. Uh, uh, he, he consecrated, he said uh, Maria has a special place in Catholic theology. And so Jung was a very amazed by this. And in all of his letters, he said uh, he is always defending Catholicism against pro- Protestantism. So here, we, may, we can do a kind of analogy between, and of course, Jung was also kind of ambiguous, because he says at the same time, he, he defended Catholicism, but in a uh, you know, on the other hand, he said, "I won't convert to Catholicism because it will ru- ruin my work." <laughs> right. Here we can maybe make the kind of analogy between Jung and Lacan. But here I must say, nevertheless, that I'm not convinced, convinced by, by the fact that Lacan was um, religious. I don't believe that Lacan was religious. And even if Lacan wanted to be buried by a priest, I don't believe. I believe it was only by tradition because Lacan was always. Um, he was uh, amazed by tradition and so on, and by the Catholic Church, Catholic Church and so on. And uh, that's it. I don't believe it was. It was yeah, religious. Uh,
1: he was. He was clearly very secular, regardless of whatever attachments he may have had. And you know, it may. He may have had a poetic, more than anything, connection to Catholicism. I would say.
2: Mm, exactly, uh, it's a good uh, way to say it.
1: Yeah, and. Yeah, but it's it's hard to find a lot of Catholicism in his works, um, specific, oh. but there is to some at least I haven't found in him an extreme critique oh. against mysticism, um, in, in general, um, which is another point of compatibility with, with Jung, yes. Um because he seems to be somewhat apologetic of the mystics and and them being able to encounter the one regardless if it's an it's an affect there is it is a a viable mode of the same Mm -hmm. way there are many others and and i would say that within mysticism many other types of mysticism where there is a the impossible of a source for the thing of that which is unrepresentable I think I think it's it can be nicely connected to the the idea of the one and having some sort of not only identification between the other and the one or even the lack thereof. Um, it would even be the identification with the one as a subject and how that relates to how you you associate uh, with the other. Um, uh, I think that if the mystic is uh, daring enough to to want to conceptualize the one in some degree or another, that's when you begin to sin in the jouissance of the impossible, which is a hair's breadth away from the the, t- the type of oral jouissance of of the real and conscious, if not you know being fundamentally the same thing. Um, to some extent, I think the, the artist and you know, in the case of Joyce, it is a continuous attempt at conceptualizing the one, at reaching at some sort of unity. That's why Lacan also said that it's, it's of nothing that uh, a summation of parts is, is reached at um, when yeah. talking about the subject or, or anything else. Because it, it is in that almost impossibility of the subject uh, not being split that as as something inaccessible fundamentally um Mm. that the artist has to deal with representation and to attempt to to in fact find that unity so i am interested in what you have to say about the 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 breed of mysticism which might Mm. even constitute as as the santum um Mm. and how that deals with the jouissance of the impossible and and what is the limit there? Uh, as you know, uh, I think it was Georges Bataille's sister or or daughter uh, to whom Lacan was married with. Right? Um, I don't know if it was the the sister or the daughter. But um, uh, the case is that uh, Georges Bataille came up with the concept of limit experience, which uh, is is the point at which uh, for example, Charles Baudelaire would say that he would cultivate his hysteria under terror and jouissance under enjoyment and terror. That point, uh, you know, which is is the union of eros and thanatos as well, um, I think is is uh, at least an ethic or the 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 side the ethical side uh, of the artist that is in fact in contact with the one to some extent or another. So, what do you think about about the limit experience and the impossible jouissance as such. Is it, it, it should we embark on that um, as as artists or conceptualizers of the real?
2: Hmm. Uh, Lacan was married with um, Sylvia Maclès who was the um, wife of uh, Georges Bataille. Oh. she still has uh, the name, she has the name Bataille, but uh, she was the wife of, uh, uh, as for what you said, uh, I will uh, not answer uh, positively, but I will answer negatively uh, uh, for a simple reason. Uh, We simply believe here the question now is what is the difference between uh, archetypes in Jung, for example, and uh, the the signifiers in Lacan? And here I believe because as you can see, there is in in Jung and in Lacan, you have uh, mystic, Uh, but. And even, in fact, if you know this, I don't know if you know this, but Lacan met Jung, he met Jung, and he, and he, make, he met Jung t- through uh, the French translator of Jung, who was uh, Roland-Quin. Roland-Quin yeah. was the translator, he, and Roland-Quin sent a letter to Lacan, and he said, he said in it, he said, um, between our archetypes and, and your Signifiers, we are friends. And Lacan answers, never. <laughs> never.
1: Amazing! Amazing that, that 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 I think that conceptualizes both of their personalities very well.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Um, uh, uh, we we can, we can deepen into this a little bit more, I, since we've already referred to a little bit the distinction between what is ontological and what is ontic. You know, in this difference of Something that seemingly is, or we we assume that is, but we don't necessarily uh, believe in its existence, which is similar to our necessary positioning in relation to the unconscious. Mm. I think that Jung's ontology in regards to the collective unconscious and how it is this very platonic world of forms where concepts exist as such and they are historically and socially spread out. Um, but have this root in the subject which keeps on being represented in in these archetypes meaning that there is some sort of cohesiveness between cultures is is not necessarily a a true ontology but regardless we assume that is that it exists so why don't we uh, introvert the collective unconscious into or, or jung's collective unconscious as being isomorphic to the individual unconscious or or the subject uh, in conjunction with the unconscious of Lacan. I think that this would make a lot of sense. And I I agree with you that there is a point of compatibility between the signifier and the archetype, but only if the signifier is regarded as purely material, meaning that it has no linguistic connection as such, which is not necessarily that Lacanian. Um, So for example, in in the case of of Jung archetypes get represented because they exist be it materialistically or idealistically and in the world of ideas it doesn't matter anything that exists materially is still has its form or its archetype in uh the unconscious well this is exactly how the unconscious works in in its in quotes linguistics because what arises out of the the body or out of out of memory or out of consciousness is precisely uh, this set of signifiers um, which are which are fragments if anything um, of of the original form of the original word um, or, or you know in the case of, of signifiers we can also call them words um, but a signifier that that has a connection to a symptom for example um, will always have some divested or, or uh, transformed energy um, to it, which is, which is inherently linguistic, but it changes the original meaning of the word. Um, So uh, there is a, a refraction going on between the existence of the supposed unconscious and the words that are used in the same way that in Jung, there is a, a refraction or, or a reflection in the ontology of material existence and the archetypes that arise from it.
2: Do you see uh, the fellow? Uh, again, I will, uh, for me, uh, if you want my opinion, uh, it's, we can f- formulate it in, in a very simple way, the difference between Jung and Lacan. Lacan, the, the, the perspective of, of Jung is positive. While the perspective of Lacan is negative, okay. uh, for a reason, for why simply because Lacan, as I said, was Kojevian and Kojevian was famous for his negativism. Uh, uh, so, then the, the question will be, and, and here is maybe a very big philosophical question what is the difference between positive and negative? Uh, and here I must say that uh, I am quite a bad Badiou, uh, uh, and of course, it it's his use of the theory of Cantor is quite controversial. <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't know if you know the, the affair Sokal, uh, if you don't know what it is, it it yes, uh, it was people who, who criticized it, uh, who criticized um, uh, philosophers for their use of uh, mathematics. mathematics.
3: Hmm.
2: And, and, um, and um, so, uh, but you used uh, the, the theory of Cantor uh, precisely. In, he said, precisely, what we call one is a kind of operator. And in fact, because of its nature of operator, which is related to what he call sets, the set uh, settings, uh, not, set, not settings, set, uh, and precisely because of its relation with set, it's very hard because, for example, to, to say it very simply, in the theory of Cantor, you have, you, you say, for example, a set, when you say a set, you're speaking about one, you're speaking about one thing, you are using a singular to name some, something which contains, contains a, pro, a plurality, a, a, a multiplicity of things. Yes. And precisely, in Badiou, there's this relation between one, because uh, precisely the, the paradox, the apparent, the apparent paradox in the philosophy of Badiou is the relation between platon- is Platonic, Philosophy and at the, uh, at the same time, is kind of uh, Deleuzean. Uh, maybe not too much, of course, there are relations between him and Deleuze, but maybe not too much Deleuzean, but because precisely uh, I believe that Badiou is quite critical of Spinoza, but uh, plurality. And so, of course, when you read, for example, Badiou, the first thing that you see, see is the, the clash between one and the multiplicity. But I believe that, that this clash
1: against is against Heraclitus almost.
2: Yes, it's yeah. inherent to uh, to um, to, um, but uh, I, I believe that here for for Heraclitus and, and and so on, it's even uh, another topic. And even if I believe maybe here um, the one who who, who who matters, I believe it's maybe Parmenides. I don't know if, how do you say the in, his name in English, okay. Parmenides. Uh, precisely because in, in Parmenides the, the problem is precisely the, the difference between, and here, again, we are at the heart of this topic, which is a, dif- a kind of difference between two things which are quite similar. Mm. For example, in, in Parmenides it's being and non-being. And here, I uh, must say, the philosopher who must be read is Bergson, because Bergson wrote a very powerful uh, text. Uh, on being in, uh, unpermitted. and basically on And there is also Clemence. Uh, uh, and here I, I believe that Permianid might be more related to this problem of uh, first positive negative, but also the relation between uh, one and multiplicity. And in here, uh, frankly, uh, that's, that's why I said first, because for me, as I have a Lacanian uh, approach, for me, it's maybe easy for me to insight to negatively and by for example, uh, uh, quoting uh, the consequences of the signifiers in Lacan. And uh, and if you observe, if you see the uh, the consequences of the archetypes in people life, and if you see the consequences of the signifiers in people's life, you will see it's completely different. Uh, For example, uh, uh, Jung was the one who uh, so so as, I, as we say, created. Of course, I know he's not directly related to it, but it was it was kind of uh, an inspiration for uh, new age newagers and so on. So of course, I know that newagers are are one are people who are using you maybe in a, uh, uh, not not in a good way, but nevertheless, uh, it's what I see. While when I read when when I see Lacan, Lacan is much more institutionalized today. Is really much more institutionalized. And in fact, you have two kinds of people. You have the the institution, and then you have the the ones who admire Lacan. And if you go, for example, on Twitter, Facebook, uh, or whatever, if you see people who like Lacan, in general, they do not take Lacan seriously. It's something which is quite uh, uh, obvious. When you see these people, they they, they, they do not take, take him seriously. It's very simple. Why? Because they are using memes. And I believe that if there is one thing which might be at the opposite of Lacanian uh, uh, doctrine, is uh, meme memes. Memes, uh, frankly, uh, we can kind of go in this topic, uh, maybe it's another topic, but it's, I believe it's really at the opposite of, uh, and precisely because in itself, it has some kind of uh, archetypes uh, aspect uh, in it. Uh, uh, yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Say more about the relations be- between archetypes and memes, and how memes might be diametrically opposite to the doctrine of signification in icon.
2: Yes, but here I do not either. I do not want to force to to exaggerate also the because of, I I know that some people. Uh, We can make mistakes, for example, when when someone speaks, for example, we can make mistakes. Uh, uh, For example, I'm not like this kind of uh, uh, absolute. And uh, because, uh, for example, I have a nice anecdote uh, in the the beginning of Christianity. The main question was to know whether Jesus uh, peed. They wanted to know if Jesus was able to pee so and of course when i say this it's precisely it's a joke it's to know whether you know because the, the, at the beginning of christianity the, the, the question was what was what is the nature of christ is he a man is he an angel for example there was a theory who said that he was an angel so and you know that angel in a, in a christianity they have, a, they have a special nature they are between god and man and so, on. so whether he's an angel is a man is God and man, and it's man and God, and, <laughs> head and for the, so of course, the question was and at this time, it was a very crucial, a very important question. Uh, it's, it's make, it makes us laugh today, but uh, at this time, if you laugh at, at this kind of question, you would have been probably killed. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's a very important question. So, of course, and, it's, it, and here um, I believe it's also related to philosophy and psychoanalysis. Basically, as I told you before, uh, people tend to, uh, they want too much from the psychoanalyst and also from the philosopher. In the sense that they, they for him, it's a kind of demigod and he has an answer for everything. And, uh, and he's, he's, he's in some ways, is absolute. Uh, and, uh, but no, and it, it also it's very funny because I, I must say that I'm, 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 I'm interested in the philosophical, as I said, philosophical, philosophical aspect of Lacan, and not so much about his uh, psychoanalytical aspect. But when, for example, I speak about philosophy, uh, random philosophy, not, not, uh, not automatically on Lacan, people say to me, uh, ah, yeah, sometimes it happens, sometimes I, I, philosoph- I do a little bit of philosophy, but uh, <laughs> they speak about it like it's, uh, you know, like, like you go, uh, yes, yeah, sometimes I, 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 I play football, and uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yes, no, no, it's, no, no.
1: Uh, it's an attitude.
2: Yes, yes, it's, it's an attitude. It's not even. Um, it's very hard because again, it's that's why it's related to the topic of difference, uh, and that's why Deleuze wrote a book which is called uh, "The Difference." Uh, 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 for, uh, I forget it. I believe it's "The Difference of Repetition." No, no, no. It's, it's difference and repetition. repetition. Yes, yes. It's difference and repetition. Um, and here, I believe that uh, Lacan also spoke about it. In uh, I don't remember if he, speak about it in, uh, if he spoke about it in if he spoke about it in, in his interview when, he, for example, he, he made a parallel between touke in Greek and automaton. Mm-hmm. uh, uh I, I see what this this concept means, but I, I, I'm not able to translate it to translate. Translate them uh, because I believe that they are kind of uh, uh, idiomatic expressions of Greek.
1: Of yeah, Greek. Well, toukai is is chance.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, but the problem is that uh, uh, toukai, when you say chance, it's a little bit does not have the same meaning because when you say chance, it for the first chance is is positive. Yes, example, no, it's
1: true, but it's it's a contingency almost. Uh, maybe it's closer yeah, to that. that yes, exactly. Because it does leave way for a structure to take in itself,
2: exactly. Exactly, it might be more closer, yeah. more close to, um, to,
0: to the real
2: meaning of the word. But here, you can see again uh, the relation. Uh, I believe in Lacan, it's all a question of relation, and especially, I believe, the core of the philosophy, if you want to call it a philosophy, the core of uh, Lacanian uh, philosophy is precisely the, the relation of the signifier and the signified. And in this relation, precisely this, this um, gap, or this split, as you said, precisely it's not for nothing that Lacan spoke about split, about the subject. It's yeah, related yeah. to that precisely because, he's, he's, first of all, he is a Kogévian, and he has a negativist approach
3: mm.
2: of things. And in, the, in this notion of split, the split of gap, and so on, while in, in for example, in Jung, Jung uh, read Bergson. He, he was a fan of Bergson, and in fact, uh, uh, Fred was very annoyed by the fact that, that Jung was a was a fan of Bergson, and in his, in, in in his letters. Fred said, I'm totally horrified, terrified, Jung is reading a philosopher. <laughs> oh my god, it's reading, really... <laughs> and, and yeah, it's terrifying because you can also see in, in one of his books, uh, which is called uh, Ant- Introduction to uh, Psychoanalysis, he said, it's like a, a, a sentence, he said, you can also read some book of Jung <laughs> before Jung became a prophet, <laughs> it's very uh, funny." Kind of uh, criticism but um, here uh, why uh, in person precisely person was uh, maybe more uh, spinozian of course again i don't want to to add more and more, but uh, again it's, it's the fact I know quite well person and can uh, in its relation to spinoza is in fact quite complicated to. Uh, but uh, here, maybe, it's, it's, you can see the core, because in person uh, you have a kind of a vitalist approach. There is yeah. no gap, uh, it's uh, plentiful, and so on. But uh, the, the, the problem is that when you have a gap, and, and this is, is why person is, is a genius, when you have a gap, it means often, often that you want to feel something. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why uh, Lacan always played... On the you know the 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 role and, uh, and he played uh, for example I believe here um, it's in the interview I will uh, quote uh, quote it. <coughs> voilà uh, yeah, here uh, he said I will say it in French and then I will translate it. I, I need to say it, say it in French because it will because I need to explain yeah. what it means. Mm-hmm. Uh, c'est, c'est, uh, c'est même là-dessus que le mot connaître prête à la métaphore bien connue. So, it means it's on this subject that the word to know is uh, ready to be used in a metaphor, a very famous metaphor. And what he is speaking, I believe, I'm not sure it's it's, it's that, but I believe, I strongly believe it is, it's it's that, because uh, con, if you know con, if con is an insult in French, it means yeah. dumb. But the, the, the origin of con, it's it's pussy, it's pussy. Yeah, And then, you have, then you have être. So, mm. uh, yeah, being and pussy and, and all. So pussy mm. all. Right.
1: Uh, and, <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: You, you see it. Okay. Uh, and here, uh, I believe, look uh, in in person, you have precisely this kind of uh, image. And for example, person said, for example, imagine you want to read a book. Of uh, verses, you want to read poetry. You go to your your library, you buy a book, and then you see. You open the book, and what you see? Prose. You see that it is prose. You will see. Oh, it's not verses. It's not. You will say it's not poetry, but you will say it's not poetry. Why? While the first thing you saw was prose, so you will say. So why do you see? first of all, prose, you will nevertheless say it's not poetry. Mm. In here, I believe it's it's a totally uh, genius uh, uh, text of Bergson. It means that there is a, a, a lack, and a, a, a negativism is related to a lack. Mm. And in Lacorte you have uh, this idea that you have a lack, but as it, it, I believe it's precisely what structural structure is about, and here maybe it's, it's where he's is differentiating himself from Derrida, uh, the lack is not something to be filled. He, 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 and for example, there is another quote, we can again use uh, the text. Uh, so here I, I will simply translate it uh, directly. He said, uh, to the opposite of sadness, there is something which is called the gay science, which is a, a virtue
1: uh right because being being sad is a sin in itself
2: hmm. here maybe you can see that it is a bit spinozian but uh but 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 the rest of the uh, the text is very also i will say it Um, the, the, the virtue of the gay science is an example not understanding not understanding but going in the sense to be close as possible of of the sense to be closer uh, to sense, mm. uh, in, in order that this sense became um, uh, a virtue, mm. and for this, in in, the, uh, in, in uh, by this or uh, in consequence, uh, enjoy decifying, deciphering, um, and and he, he had uh, the gay sense is a, re- a return to sin. Yeah, but,
1: but even yeah, you kind of you can kind of, you you the you answer, right? y uh, yes, the, uh, it's the relation between sadness and and a gay science is precisely that of structuralism to sense or truth. Yes, I I, I see it. Um, in in regards to Derrida, uh, he he asks, what is a question? You know, there, there is an intrinsic gap exactly. in the question which exactly. is automatically filled in the question itself yeah. because it, yeah,
2: it, yeah. as, as it, a, yeah. yes um here, here is, is, is heidegger it's not uh Derrida, of course yeah. he said that but it was heideggerian because uh in fact here he's simply taking a, a notion of uh of heidegger which is called a provocation uh provocation uh, pro before vocation before the voice uh in, in a sense uh,
1: right. oh, yeah.
2: exact, uh, but you see it means that there is always always already something a implied in the
1: question right yes can you clarify the, the existence of verse as uh, commonly being referred to as poetry and, and how somehow prose on the other hand tends to be shunned as, as not being poetry when it can be but prose can be poetic in itself mm-hmm. maybe that leads to a, a perfect negative negativism which is seen in in postmodern ish writings the fact that philosophy has to be written in a poetic register is I think uh, something that uh, or a way a style of thinking that already expects the, the the gap you know and and instead of assuming that we can make an approximation to sense which is the pragmatic application um, if anything Uh, post-structuralism is this this idea of fine we we cannot ever really approximate sense and and they give up on a possible reference of truth and so they create a new truth which fully metonymically connects to whatever is being tried to set to say Um, I think we can connect it back to this question of uh, existence or non-existence, the validity of archetypes or not, um in comparison to the signifiers, in fact, touching on on kernels of of truth to some extent in, in the sense of um signifiers of the real and the unconscious. I think that in these two two styles of thinking, um, which can be either the, the vitalism of Berkson or or a, a negativism um which I, th- I think is the reaction to to many, like Deleuze, for example, who still tries to incorporate vitalism. In, in the case of Nick Land, for example, who is this uh, sort of to some degree he's a he's a soft thinker, but he does reverse the the Deleuzian type. Or maybe we can think about it as as Nietzsche being a non-Brixonian version of of Deleuze um in that case
3: uh
1: it's it's surrendering to the metonym to to the metonymy to uh, to any word being a possible synecdoche and saying that a metaphor has has no no place here um to to dispense to to depend in excess of metaphor um, which is, you know, poetry in itself. I think is precisely the most metonymically that you can express yourself. And once again, James Joyce is a demonstration of this. And psychosis and speech, it's metonymies after metonymies. Um, so I think that it's 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 not a flaw. I think, as I am, I do come from more of the post-structuralist uh, background rather than a structuralist one. I don't think it's necessarily a flaw to to dispense of a, a structure that can exist on its own and to just uh you know uh introduce fleeting structures of anything um and recognize that that you know these these constellations can in fact disappear at any moment um and that that is the most faithful that we can be to to meaning or or truth
2: yes uh, maybe here you have maybe a more Nechidiane um, uh, uh, perspective. Uh, as for James Joyce, uh, I don't know if he's, if, if he's only using uh, metonymy. Uh, I believe there, there are a lot of um, metaphors. Uh, in fact, it's, it's why Lacan liked uh, James Joyce, is specific for his metaphor. And in fact, uh, I know the, the opposition that Lacan made between metonymy and metaphor. And in fact, Lacan, uh, for him, uh, metaphor was more important. Uh, it was uh, because uh, in, in fact, here again <laughs> it's a, a relation between the signifier and the signified uh, in, a, in a way metonymy always implied a, a, a relation even a small, even very small relation between a signifier and signified yes. a, a metaphor. It, it, it seems at least to not be the case or, at, or maybe it's very reduced. Um, uh, then as for, uh, to clarify, um, what I said about uh, prose and verse. Uh, y- yes, you are speaking about what we call uh, uh, poetic poses. Yes. Uh, oh, pff, yes, of course, it, it exists. But here, yeah, I'm a bit out of the topic, because uh, the, the, for Bergson, it, was, it wasn't it was a problem. It was just just an example. He was not uh, saying that <laughs> there is not uh, in, in between, uh, between poetry. And, and uh, for example, let's imagine you want a, a book of uh, cooking. And you see, uh, uh, you buy uh, a book of po- uh, prose, uh, poetic prose. So you will open the book, and you, say, you will say, "Oh, it's not a book of cooking." So it's exactly the same; it does not change the, the example of person.
1: Okay. Can you, Can you say more about uh... about this distinction that that Berkson is making in itself? I haven't understood the image of the difference in. Inverse versus
2: prose. Uh, it's not, uh, no, 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 precisely, it's, it's not uh, versus, it's not like Star Wars Anakin versus Obi-Wan. It's simply, for example, you want something, you want to read a book on, on, on a precise topic, and, and uh, you will buy a book, but it's not on it's on this topic. It's a mistake. You make a mistake, uh-huh. you buy a book, you think, oh, it's a book on, on my topic. So you will open the book, and you will say, oh, it's not a book on my topic. But 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 we say it's not a topic, but nevertheless, it's not a book which is not about uh, not your topic. The, the, the topic of the book, which seems to not be about your topic, is another topic, and it's simply, first of all, a book on another topic before being a book of another topic which you are not interested in, and that's it's the example of Bergson.
1: And what's the relation to being and knowing here?
2: To being and knowing. Yeah. Uh, 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 frankly I don't believe that lacan person uh, I
0: mean made the
2: difference between uh, being and uh, knowing uh, for a simple reason uh, it's not uh, it's not something that that person uh, L- uh, is not do, does not like make a, a distinction um, between um, of uh, yes there is always some uh, is Lacan, person uh, person is a little bit ambiguous ambiguous too because um, and here, I must say that it is, um, I said it because uh, the fact is that Berkhan was used by a lot of Spinozians and, he's, and a lot of people see him as a monist, as someone with monist. Or, or, so it's true that there is a kind of uh, monist uh, aspect of life in person uh, Nevertheless, in fact, it is, it is not true for a simple reason that he said he, uh, Person was a part of what we call the French uh, spiritualist school, and he was he, he believed in, a, in the soul the soul he believed yeah. in, in the afterlife yes. so at the, at, the, at the moment when you believe in that afterlife well, okay, you can still say that there's some way you can accommodate and say that yes the afterlife can be a part of life and it's true and in fact you see it a little bit with Jean and that's why Shankievich is probably the best. And in fact, I must say, and here you can see how, how objective and neutral I am, because even if I do not read Berson as, as Spinozian, there is two schools of Bersanian, There is the Spinozian school and the Catholic school. So you have the, 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 the Spinozian school, for example, Shankievich and Rosset. And then you have the Catholic school, Jacques Chevalier, um, Jacques Chevalier and... Uh, uh, yeah, I forgot the the, the, the uh, I forgot the name. Uh, the, the other was also um, uh, in the same vein, in the sense that uh, they were not. Even if I believe that the Catholic school was maybe more close to the philosophy of person, the nevertheless they are. Uh, you can see quite clearly that they are not as talented as the Spinozian school. Uh, Jean Kerivich is very talented. His very 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 uh, uh, comment his com- commentaries of uh, person are very very good. While if you read uh, 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 Chevalier. And I, I believe the other one was Guillon. I hope it, I'm not mistaken. I'm not mistaken. Uh, if you read them, you, they are not as talented. You can like, quite see, clearly see they are not talented. Because when at the beginning, I said, when I see these two schools, for me, if the Spinozians were more most famous, I, I said to myself yes because they are leftists. Okay, they are leftists. So they are merc- 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 because in fact I don't know if you know this, but the, the Catholic school of Bertrand here you can see another ambiguity with Bertrand. Bertrand was also quite conservative. He was a Jew and so on. He, he, he was. A, he was very conservative. And at this time, uh, uh, the, so the, 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 the French French Jews, you need to know that in, in France you have a different kind of Jew. You have the, so you have the, the so, of course you uh, you have the um, uh, Seraphad, who came in France after uh, at the end of the of... yes yeah uh, who, who went in, went in France in, at, at the end of the French colony and, and you have also the Ashkenaz who went in France during the pogrom in Russia and the pogrom in uh, Nazi Germany and and you have a, 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 third, a third I mean a third yeah. uh, people of, of who I
3: mean, yeah.
2: No, 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 no. Uh, here, uh, here, 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 because uh, uh, you have uh, in France you have kind of people of Jew who are, who are, who lived in France from a very, very long time, and so I don't know if they are Ashkenaz or Sephard. They are just Jew, Jewish people who, who lived in France since the Middle Age.
3: Right. So okay,
2: okay. And, and then, and then, and then uh, during the the beginning of the of the twentieth century, you have two other kind of Jew who came in France. That is to say, the Sephard who went from the, the because, because because through the decree who was a, a decree the uh, decree uh, who allowed Jewish from French colony to be French, and then you have the Ashkenaz who went into France because they were persecuted in in, in yeah. because of Nazi and uh, Russian.
1: Yeah. and, and uh, e- so, even before that, there there's uh, strange relations between Ashkenazi and Sephardics, but but yes. Yeah, and and, inquisition and, and all that. And,
2: and, and, so, and so you need to know that the, the, the French Jews, so the ones who lived in France for a long time, they were very patri- patriotic. They were very uh, uh, and, and, and integrated to the mm. French society. Uh, for example, Dreyfus uh, and so on, they were all Jewish and they were very patriotic and very integrated. And, so, and, and when the, the Jewish Sepharad and Ashkenaz went into France, of course, the Sepharad and Ashkenaz were not as integrated as them. And, they were, and, and for example, the, the big difference between the French Jew and the French Sephard and French Ashkenaz is that the, 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 these two people were still very religious and, 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 and they were not patriotic. And so the French Jew were very angry towards uh, the Ashkenaz and the uh, and, um, and, and for example, Berson was a part of the, the French Jew so they were very secular, integrated Jew, uh, and sometimes very nationalist. And in fact, Bergson was very nationalist. He wrote a, a big, uh, very interesting letters against Germany and so on, and, and, and analysis between French philosophy and German philosophy. It's very. It seems a little bit way, way, you, when you read them, you say, "Oh yes, but of course, they are, uh, he is nationalist, so he, he will defend France, and, and that's it." But, but nevertheless, they are still quite interesting because I, I believe. make he makes fair point but and so the ambiguity of Bergson and not only Bergson but a lot of French Jews is that uh, they were in a way they they were anti-semitic in the sense that they were um, they were very angry and for example if you read the uh, I will close the the anecdote uh, uh, don't worry Uh, if you read the, 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 the 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 last papers of Bergson he said in it. It, it, it's quite shocking if you, if you think about it, it is, but at this time it was not as shocking, of course. And of course, you also need to add that he was not aware of a, of a, a Nazi camp and a concentration, ex, extermination. He, he was not aware about this. And he said, I, be, I, I believe, so it, it was in 1940, so you know that uh, Germany uh, uh, won against France and France was occupied by Germany, and the, the Jews needed to, needed to be um, recorded in, uh, in by, by, by uh, the French authorities because it was the re- regime of Vichy, and so they, they were um, they were recording the Jews to deport them and so on, or, or to classify and and then maybe deport them and so on. And, and so, person wrote in a, in a, in this last paper. He wrote, "I believe that the situation today in Europe of Jews are is partially." I uh, so I don't want to say a wrong word. So I think it's it's deserved. Yes, he said. I believe that the situation of Jews in Europe, at least in France, is deserved. They deserve the situation. That word? Sorry?
1: Repeat that word?
2: Deserved. Uh, I will, I will uh, write it because uh, of oh. nice. Sorry. Sure. Uh, yeah. uh, yes.
1: So, yes. So why do the Jews deserve this anti-Semitism?
2: Uh, 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 I need to add it, Berson, I'm not saying that they deserve it, uh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God, I will have a lot of uh, problems if I say that. <laughs> yeah,
3: no,
1: it's, no, it's okay. It,
2: <laughs> but of course, but in, in fact, it's, it's, it's what they said. For podcast so.
1: purposes, yes.
2: Yes, of course, so, and, and uh, so Berson, he said precisely because the French Jews were very integrated and secular, and the Jewish Ashkenaz and, 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 and uh, Sepharad were very religious, and, they, and of course, they were immigrants. So they, they do not felt as French people, so they were not integrated to the French society. And for this reason, the French people did too. So because it was quite, I mean, it was quite shocking in the sense that there was a lot of persecution. And uh, in, a, in a few years, there were the majority of Jewish people was completely changed. So, because for a long time, it was the same Jew in France, from for the Middle Age to the 19th century. It was the same Jews who lived in France. And in, in 30 years, it was completely changed. And all the Jews were completely different, the yeah. majority.
1: So is there a difference in the style of thinking between the Ashkenaz patriotic Jew versus or the assimilated Jew versus the immigrant Sephardic one?
2: Yes, exactly. There was a kind of, um, for a simple reason, that uh, and for example, the Ashkenaz were very, um, they, they were, in general, they were the one, um, I believe, uh, who went, uh, when when Israel was created, they went directly in Israel. They, they did not stay, or, or, or they went in America, for example. Mm. And uh, so here you, are, you have a kind of defense. But, but again, I don't believe that it is related to um, to, um to uh, to Israel or uh, America, or I believe it's mostly related to the, the religion, because uh, uh, the, the the French Jews they are very, in a sense, if 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 I may use uh, uh, today words, you know we say today uh, culturally colonized. In a the sense, they were in their, in their minds they are very uh, fr- francophile, very uh, for France, and and they really wanted to be uh, very. Uh, Uh, sneaky they they did not like to be seen as Jew, so they were hiding their Jewishness yes, crypto-Judaism yes, exactly they were were hiding their Jewishness and they wanted to be integrated so when they saw all of these Jewish people coming from Africa or Eastern Europe would absolutely not care about uh, France and the uh, French tradition and so on. Right. They, right. Were, they were very angry about it. So that's why, but, can you, why for example, can we, make, said, uh,
1: uh, oui? can we make a parallel between the vitalism of Berg- Bergson as a style of thinking and, and the Derridian difference as you know, having them being uh, two different generations of Jews in, in France? Maybe there's there's something to say there about Structuralism and post-structuralism.
2: here uh, yeah, I believe that, but for example, Derrida is not is uh, he, not the same people. Uh, he, Derrida was Jew, but he was and sef- He lived in French Algeria. Yeah. He, they were not the same uh, Jewish, Jewish people, while Berson was a part of uh, the traditional French Jews.
3: Exactly. Uh,
2: yes, but, and then for the difference I said that Berson was quite uh, criticized Person uh, today, if, if, if I go in America and I say, Do you know Henry Berson? They will say, No, I don't know Henry Berson. Right,
1: and he was one of the the highest ranking public intellectuals in yes. this time.
2: Yes, in this time, exactly. Exactly. Very
1: exactly.
2: He was, the same. He, yes, but today is still more famous. But, and why? Because person was quite criticized. He was very heavily criticized by a lot of people, and especially, so the, the most famous one is Poitzer who was a friend of Sartre and Sartre also was very, 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 criticized, very criticized of, of uh, he criticized a lot uh, Bersin. and Bersant was completely, completely destroyed, uh, even Lacan criticized, everyone, even, uh, every philosophers uh, criticized uh, Lacan, the, 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 the only yes, one.
1: Being in the focal point of everyone.
2: Yes, 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 but, but the, uh, the, the only one who did not criticize him was Jankilevich, but even today, Jean he is very talented and so on, but, uh, He's not famous he was he wasn't famous and person was completely but today I must say that nevertheless person tend to be a little bit um, rehabilitated he tend to be a little bit more famous today uh, for some reason because uh, I believe mainly because uh, people tend to be more moderate today than they were uh, before politically, so, yeah. and so uh, as for uh, the difference between uh, Derrida and personson, I would say that there are a lot of difference between them and and you need a thesis to at least
1: doubt, but it, po- poetically can we conceptualize them as being respective symbols for own, uh structuralism or a proto-structuralism and in as as a manifestation of po- post-structuralism <sighs> um
2: for clear then i insist I don't think that's a, because of course we are doing in some way we are doing philosophy and people believe generally that when you do philosophy you can make a, a relations between everything and everyone Eight. I, I, I do not believe that you can make a relation between Derrida and person.
1: Okay. okay, fair enough
0: <clears throat> Alright, so I'm going to wrap this up and uh, it was a pleasure to have you, like for me, it was really interesting for me to observe this whole discussion. I had several mm. points that I'll send it to you later on Discord. But mm. it's a pleasure having you. Is there any way, like, do you have to plug anything? Like, is there any way people can reach you if they need to get in touch with you?
2: Like- uh, you can, uh, you can uh, put my uh, Twitter. So Twitter is, uh, I believe it's arroba, it's simply airclans. So like like my, my name naming on Discord.
1: Yes, at H E R C L. What I is that?
0: I N Z E. Yes. I N. Yeah. I N C.
1: I N Z E. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's it. Awesome.